with that. And uh, I always love getting a chance to come back and share and sing and share the word. It's an honor to be able to do that this morning with you guys. So, uh, as Pastor Derek said, uh, first of all, Pastor Derek and Angie are such a blessing to uh, our family. Um, they were a huge part of our lives for many, many, many years uh, while we were here, and uh, so was Reach. Uh, this was, uh, you know, a place that uh, Pastor Derek gave me an opportunity to come and lead worship and, and share, and, and uh, you know, it's just, it's awesome to be back here and great to get a chance to share the word with you today. So I'm going to talk today a little bit with you. I was really praying and, and seeking the Lord of what he wanted me to share. And so uh, this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about matters of the heart. Turn to your neighbor say matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. If you got your Bibles or uh, on your phone, if you'll go to Mark chapter 10 and starting in verse 17, and we're going to talk um, a little bit about uh, the rich young ruler. So um, this morning, let's just dive in here to the word real quick in Mark 10, 17. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, he said, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And I want you to underline this in verse 21. Looking at the man Jesus felt genuine love for him. He said, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you'll have your treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around, and he said to his disciples, he said, how hard is it for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, or but not with God, everything is possible with God. So this morning, I want to talk just a little bit about matters of the heart. Okay, because my first point this morning is that what moves you is evidence of what motivates you. So what moves you is evidence of what motivates you. Now, let's let's talk for just a second. Was Jesus saying that people who had money or that money was bad? No. Money is amoral. Okay, let's just get that straight. Money is amoral. It's not good or bad inherently. Matter of fact, let's clarify what Paul says because people go around and quote, they say, well, money's the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. You're twisting the words here, okay? Because Paul is very specific. If you go in, in, uh, if you go in, in uh, uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, he says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, have wandered from the truth, the true faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, this goes back to the point that I just made before, right? What moves you is evidence of what motivates you. 
So Jesus was, look, it said Jesus felt genuinely love, or he genuinely loved the rich young ruler. It says it right there in the scripture. He felt genuine love for him. He was moved with compassion because Jesus saw through all of the stuff, right? See, the rich young ruler was like, man, look, I done, I done kept all them commandments. We good. We're good. I've kept all them. Those are easy. I ain't killed nobody. I ain't stolen from anybody. I ain't testified falsely. I honored my father and mother probably because they put a big old fat check in my bank account. So I've honored them, right? But Jesus said, you lack one thing. You lack the surrender of the heart. The rich young ruler was finding his identity and his purpose in what he had, not in Jesus. Jesus revealed the motivation of his heart by asking or asking him to do one thing. Go sell all your possessions, take everything you have, and just give it to the poor. Just, just give it over. And then come and follow me. And the scripture says directly after that that the man's face fell because he had a lot of possessions. He was super rich. He fell. And he walked away sad. Now, when we talk about things that motivate us, there can be a lot of things that motivate us. Like money, I've, I've just used this passage or scripture here just to highlight the fact that the rich young ruler, see, Jesus was after his heart. He wasn't after his possessions. He was after his heart. Because when we have security, because money does what? Gives us what? Security, right? I mean, am I the only one who thinks the money gives us security? Right? When my bills are paid, when I've got a little bit of money in the bank account, like I feel like I'm doing pretty good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just, but see, what happens is, is that I begin to put my faith and my hope in what's in my bank account as opposed to the source of what I get. And so whether it's money, okay, let's, let's just talk about some things that motivate us for just a minute. Power. We see this in our political climate right now, all across the board. Power, right? People love power. They love haughty positions and, you know, it's just what they do. Greed, right? Lust, anyone? Money, fear can motivate us. Here's one for you. How about being right? How about the need to be right? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing some things out here, okay? Approval of man. How about legalism? How about all the things that we do in the Christian, the Christianese, right? He asked the rich young ruler. He said, I've done all these things. I've kept your law. I kept the law according to Moses. I kept all these things. Now, how many of you would agree with me that, you know, when, when we are praying, when we're fasting, when we're worshiping, when we're coming to church, Going to smart groups when we do all these things, like we feel super spiritual, right? Right? Like, yeah, I'm super spiritual. I got up and did my quiet time this morning. I'm super spiritual, right? But is that what God is really after? It's not about the things, people. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Reading God's word, being in his presence in worship, being in church, doing all of those things are absolutely critical to our success as believers. However, we can cross over into the fact where we begin to put our pride and our faith in how we act and what we do as opposed to who we really have our faith and hope in. God is not interested in your behavior. 
Mind blown. God is not interested in your behavior. God is interested in your heart. Because if your heart is in the right place, guess what follows along with it? The behavior follows along with it. Okay, now let me, let me break this down for just a second. Because I have a 140-pound dog. He's huge. All right? Wade knows him well. Okay? Big old dog. If you come to my house and he doesn't know who you are, I mean, he's going to let you know that I'm, I'm not quite sure who you are. You know, and when you hear a big, deep bark like that, that'll freak you out just a little bit, okay? Now, here's the thing about my dog. My dog is super food motivated. He just is. So let's talk about what this means, okay? Now, Rocky is my dog. He is, like, squarely my dog. Dogs have one master. I am his master. He loves Sarah. He loves my kids, but he listens to me. But caveat. It does not matter what I say to that dog. If Sarah has a piece of turkey in her hand, <laughs> he's right there. And I'm like, Rocky, come here, man. Come here. Come here. Laser focused. So if somebody broke into my house and they had a bag of turkey, <laughs> his motivation ain't going to be to protect me. It's going to be to eat all that turkey. Yeah. Now, Let's put this in perspective here for just a second. Because think about like police dogs, right? Police dogs are trained to listen to the voice of their master only. That's it. So somebody on the ground can be yelling, stop, 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 because they're getting tore up by the dog. But until that handler says to release, that dog won't listen to anything else. It is trained to not be distracted by anything else other than the voice of the master. Now, what I'm trying to get us to understand here in our context is that when we only hear the voice of the father, if that's the only thing that we're listening to, I can't be moved or motivated by anything else other than his voice. And so let's go back to the motivations here. So if that means that somebody offers me a job for a million dollars a year, like, come on now. I mean, come on, come on, Jesus. Do that. But if I am offered a job for a million dollars a year, how many of you know that'd be really hard to turn down? That'd be hard to turn down. But one of the things that I have learned in my life, and it took me a little while to understand this, is that money does not move me. It doesn't move me. I'd be lying to you if it doesn't to some degree. But at the same time, when it comes to taking a job, I only want to do what I hear the Father say to do. Because that million dollars a year could put me in bondage. How many of you know that? Right? I don't care how much you pay me. You could not pay me to run this country. You couldn't pay me to do it. You couldn't offer me a billion dollars to run this country. I couldn't do it. I don't, see, the thing is, I don't need the, I don't want all that. What I want to do is I want to be home with my family. I want to be present with my children. I want to be able to come home every day and, and look my wife in the face. I don't want to be on the road 300 days a year. That's not, that's not what motivates me, right? So the thing is, is that you're, what moves you is evidenced by what motivates you. And so if you're moved by how much money is in the bank account, or if you're moved by how many good deeds that I do, if you're moved by how much I prayed and how much I fasted, if you're moved by all of those things, you, sometimes you got to begin to ask yourself, Lord, 
what, what, is, what is motivating my heart? Where's my heart at right now? Because the rich young ruler, was, he was a good dude by all accounts. I mean, he had kept all the law. He had did everything that, you know, that the, uh, the Torah had required of him. But Jesus said, you still lack one thing. And that one thing that Jesus was pointing out was simply his heart. Point number two. God is not interested, and I said this, in changing your behavior. He desires to have your heart. If God has your heart, your behavior will follow. It is not the other way around. You can never do enough good deeds to make yourself righteous with God, period. The Bible says that we are saved by faith, through grace, period, right? Jesus is the propitiation of our sins. That means that he took a debt that we could never pay, and he paid that debt that only he could pay. And he gave me access to it by faith. And all I have to do is believe in him that he's the Lord and Savior of my life. And I receive that. But oftentimes we think that we got to clean our lives up. Okay. Now, let's just talk about this for a minute. So Jesus hanging on the cross. You got two thieves on the cross, right? Two people beside him on the cross. Don't really know why they were there probably murderers, you know, thieves. But one says, if you're the son of God, why don't you pull yourself down off of this? And the other one says, Lord, today, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. Did that man get cleaned up before he came to Jesus? No, he didn't. You can't get clean enough to come to Jesus. It's not possible. We were born into sin. That's just the nature of it, man. Adam and Eve, like, they set us up for failure. Lord, help them. They, they did everybody dirty. But Jesus came here so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. He paid the debt for us. So I don't need to get my life together, folks. All I need to do is surrender my heart, yield my heart. That's what he's after. All the things that we want to, like, bring into line and say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to drink, smoke, or chew or run around with people who do. You know, I grew up hearing that all the time. Like, I grew up hearing that. But... God is not interested in behavior. He's interested in the heart. What it is that you're yielding. Because let me tell you something. When you yield your heart to God, he'll begin the whole, whose job is it to convict us? Anybody? The Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict us. It ain't my job to convict somebody else. It ain't my job. I can encourage somebody that I have relationship with. But if I walk up to some of you, I'm like, hey, man, you really need to cut that out. You need to quit that behavior. And they're like, who are you? I don't know who you are. And you don't know me. I am not the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not the Holy Spirit. But that is his job. That is what he is here to do. He is set to convict people and lead God and direct people in all truth. That's what Jesus sent him down here for. And so when we get to that spot, folks where we're not interested in being somebody else's Holy Spirit, we're just interested in allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me and what he wants to do in my heart, he'll lead God directly and say, hey, I want you to go pray for that person. I want you to go bless, I want you to go put a $100 bill in that person's hand. Because obedience, when we get to that place where we're obedience, because really, like the way that you can tell whether or not that our heart is submitted is obedience, right? Because it's not really sacrifice, and uh, in, in 1 Samuel, um, it talks about that when Samuel with King Saul, right? 
So King Saul goes out in front of Agag, and he, 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 uh, he sacrifices, and he doesn't do everything that Samuel asked him to do. Samuel basically told him, I want you to kill everything. Don't take anything for spoils. But what happens? Saul's like, no, I got a better way. I'm going to go on and do the sacrifice. You don't even need to be here. I got it. We're good. And I'm going to just take some of the spoils for myself. And what did Samuel say to Saul? He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. When we get to that spot where we're obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying and what the Lord is saying in our lives, that's when true change happens. I just want to go through in Matthew chapter 23 here. Um, Jesus spends an entire chapter discussing the Pharisees and the Sadducees and their self-righteous behavior, okay? And I think this is really appropriate. And it's verse 24. It says, Jesus says, blind guides, you strain water so that you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Does anybody get a picture of that? Y'all know those little strainers, right? Like if you ever cook stuff and you got to strain something, you put it over there and it's like super fine, like little mesh and you strain it out. So you like, I do turkey brines, right? So you want to get all the peppercorns and all that stuff out of there. So you strain it, right? So we do that to get all the small stuff. But then Jesus says, you turn around and you swallow a camel, right? The little things, we like to nitpick the little things, but we don't like to deal with the big stuff. That's what he was saying with them right here. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites, For you're so careful, underline this, to clean the outside of a cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, listen to what Jesus says. He's given them an opportunity right here to to, to show them this is the way to do it. He says, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. It is not what we do, folks. It is not what we can earn. It's nothing that we can ever do to make ourselves clean. Jesus is the one who cleans in here. If this thing is clean, if this heart is clean, the rest will follow. Now, I have two kids. And, you know, I'm, they, they both get their, probably their worst traits from me. Um, Sarah, she's, she's pretty, she's perfect and, you know, does. Um, so when I have to correct them, Yes, I'm correcting the behavior, but my bigger concern is not the behavior, it's the heart behind it. Because, so, if, if my son comes up to me and I'm like, son, did you brush your teeth? I sure did. All right, sniff test, let's check it. And he clearly has not brushed his teeth. He does most of the time. But if he's lying to me, disciplining the behavior is not really the point. I got to get to the heart behind why he's lying to me. Son, why do you feel like, why do you feel the need to tell me a story about that? I don't understand. Because, see, that really comes down to trust. Do you trust what I say or no? Or does he want to do his own thing and be rebellious? Like, that's revealing the heart behind it. So when we begin to correct things, guys, we're, like, it's not necessarily the correction of the action. Yes, the action is a byproduct, but really the heart is behind it. And let's just put it into business terms for a second. So, if you've got somebody who works with you and they're supposed to build a widget a specific way and they got steps one, two, three, and four and they skip step one and they skip step three but they do two and four and the widget's messed up. Yes, you can fire them for not doing the 
thing that they were supposed to do for not following the procedure. But the better thing to do would be to sit down with the person and say, okay, let's talk about, like, here are the steps. Here's where you got to go. You got to go one, two, three, and four. Because you understand the necessity for steps one, two, three, and four. They might not have got that yet. That's exactly what Jesus is trying to do. So when we look in his word, and the Bible clearly lays out multiple things for us to, you know, to do and try to live by and abide by, but really it has to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings illumination to the word of God. That's the thing that gives me the ability to walk in grace and to be able to walk out in holiness because I can't do it in my own strength, right? I mean, like I'm, on, I'm probably going to send today in, in, the, or in, the, uh, in the airport. Somebody's going to jump in front of me. I'm going to get mad. I don't know what I'm talking about. Jesus gives me the power to live a holy life, but it's only through my yieldedness and submission to his will. The submission of my heart and my will. I can never do it in and of myself. And then in Matthew, and, and, and I love this in Matthew 23, or uh, Matthew 22, in verse 35 through 40. And one of their number, a lawyer asked him a question, Jesus, to test him. He said, teacher, what kind of commandment is great and important? The principal kind in the law. Some commandments are light, which are heavy, is the question he was asking. Listen to what, listen to what Jesus said. And he replied to him, this is a heavy commandment. Right here. Hear me well. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, your intellect. This is the greatest most important principle and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. These two commandments sum up and upon them depend all the law of all the prophets. So you want to know how to live a righteous life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second is like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now how many of you know that if I love Jesus with all of my heart, it's going to be my desire to please him, right? I love this woman sitting in the front row. She's been my best friend for 21 years. Married 18 and a half, thank you. I'm not, I don't go out and try to cheat on her because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I don't want to cheat on her because I, what? Because I love her. Fear is never a motivation to keep you from doing something. Fear can never keep you from doing what it is that you want to do. You could be staring in the face of somebody telling you, you're going to die if you do this, and that don't change it. But when you get a revelation of love deep down in your heart for God the Father, it changes your perspective, and it shifts the things on what's important. Because really what's important, man, is I want to please Jesus. I want to live for him. I want to do everything I can to, to live a life that is worthy of the calling that he set before me. But I'm going to mess up. But I'm so thankful that my heart is yielded. Just because you have a yielded heart doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Amen. You ain't never, you're never going to be in a position where you do everything right all the time. You're never going to respond properly every time. You're never going to respond to your children properly every time, your wife, 
your, uh, your, your, your parents. You're never going to respond every way perfectly. But at the end of the day, if our hearts are yielded to Jesus, then guess what? We have an opportunity because people give us grace. Because he gives us grace. Jesus was very specific that this is a heavy command. This is not an easy commandment. To love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, there's, there's a bunch of people around it. I don't, I don't particularly, I mean, I, the Holy Spirit's got to do some work on me. There's some people that I have a hard time with. Am I the only one? I mean, we human. There's some people we got hard, we're going to have a hard time with every now and again. But that little prick in my spirit, when I feel myself getting turned up, you know what I'm saying? When I feel myself getting riled up, that little prick in my spirit, man, that's the Holy Spirit. It's like, Damon, that's my child. That ain't yours. And that changes the way that I respond. I can still be righteously, I can still have or disapprove of something, but that doesn't mean that I have to be venomous. That doesn't mean that I have to be rude. I can respond to somebody in a way that exudes the power and grace of the Holy Spirit if I'm just obedient and my heart is yielded to them. Last point is that the posture of a surrendered heart is humility. The posture of a surrendered heart is humility. And I love this in Luke 18. This is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures um, Luke 18, 9 through 14, it says, Then Jesus told this story of some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. And Jesus, or two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. All my righteousness. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes. And instead he beat his chest in sorrow and he said, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Man, help us to be the person who doesn't look at my righteous deeds as a badge of honor. I love praying. I love fasting. I love worship. I love leading worship. I love all those things, but they don't make me good. That Pharisee stood there and he was so thankful that he wasn't like that tax collector because he had done all the right stuff. He had checked all the boxes. But Jesus said that the tax collector said, God, have mercy on me, for I am not worthy. That is a heart of humility. When we find that place in us that says, I am not worthy of the grace of God, I'm not. I can never do anything to earn his favor. I, can never, I, can, I can't make him love me any more than he already does. I can't make him love me any less than he already does. It don't matter what sin I have. It doesn't matter what God loves you no matter what. He just wants you to yield to him. He just wants your heart surrendered to him. That's it. 
We can't earn it. And our actions can never make us righteous. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We can get too big for our own britches sometimes. Y'all know what that means? That's a little southern term right there. Too big for our britches, right? We think we're further along than we are. But he paid a debt that we can never pay. And there's no earning it. There's no amount of good works that can justify it. Surrender is a choice made out of love, not of compliance. Surrender is a choice that's made out of love, not out of compliance. God is not interested in your compliance. He's not. If that was the case, we would all be just robots rolling, rolling, you know, rolling through the streets right now and there'd be no need. He would have never given us the opportunity to put in the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. Because if that tree wasn't there, then we all would be robots. We would be forced to serve. We'd be forced to live our lives according to... Like, we would be forced to do that. That's forced compliance. That's not what he's after. He's after a heart, a yielded heart, who willingly wants to go after, who willingly wants to yield themselves to them. Look, when my kids come to me and they just come sit on my lap and just love me, I'll give them whatever they want. You're not watching this. I'm not going to give you whatever you want. They're watching it right now. I still love you. But when they sit in my lap... And the only thing they want to do is be with their dad and connect with me. That's the same thing that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus wants us to do with God the Father. He's just sit in his lap, man. Be yielded to him. Be in a space that says, Lord, I am not worthy to be in your presence, but I thank you that Jesus paid the price and paid the debt so that I could go boldly into the throne room, so that I could enter in, so that the veil was torn. There's no longer any separation between you and I. I can come into that throne room because of what Jesus did. And I want to yield myself to you and lay it down before you. Darcy, I'm going to go on and close. You can come on up. And I don't know what it is today or where you're at in your relationship. Look, maybe, you know, maybe you're just kind of going through the motions right now. Maybe you've been checking the, the boxes off and all the good things or all the good things you're doing. But have you ever really sat down and said, all right, Lord. with no agenda you don't come to receive you just come to sit in his presence and I think that these days we don't take enough time to just sit in his presence I don't have to do man the Bible says in Hebrews he who ceases from his labor shall enter into my rest time that you've just been in your car and you just got quiet before the Lord. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to speak to me? What is it that you're saying to me right now? 
just stay quiet for just a second. Because I know that there's fear, there's anxiety, there's big decisions that have to be made, there's health things that are going on, there's family things that are going on, there are kids that are walking away. I get it. serve a God who is bigger than all of that. We serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. And he just wants your heart. So I just want to take just a minute. Let's just close our eyes and let's just be still for just a second. decisions that are 
happening right now, Lord. I just pray that they would not be motivated, Lord, by money, God, but if we would, it would be motivated by what you want us to do, Lord God, and by what you say. Lord, the prayer would be our first response, not our last resort. believe that we serve a God of miracles we sang that today didn't we so we have a family here Frank and Shannon could I have you come up right here in the middle to stand in place for Mark and Morgan and little baby Joey <clears throat> the uh, doctors gave a potential bad report they don't know 100% but uh, baby Joey's uh, facing some uh, some real odds with their report and I say that God has the final say what do you say so I'm going to ask you to stretch your hands out if I could have uh, um, is Warren close by Pastor Warren Kelly and uh, we're just lift up this couple in proxy you know what it means to be in proxy to stand in the gap for their family and so that report was shared with us this morning by Shannon, and I say that God can go right in the womb and correct the things that need to be corrected. Amen. Father, you say in your word that if two agree in touching anything in this earth, that Father, it shall be done. So we come into agreement as a congregation over baby Joey in that womb, and we ask for the healing power of Jesus, Lord God, to touch baby Joey. We ask that you would be with Morgan, the mom, Lord, that her body, Lord God, wherever there's, Father, with the placenta, Lord God, any complications there, Father, we ask you to correct them. We know you're the creator and that God we're created in your image and by your design and therefore father anything that is not according to your design father right now we ask for a miracle that it would line up with your design we pray these things father god we seal them by the power of the holy spirit and lord we look forward to a good report we know that doctors can uh, proceed father god and, and they work with caution but God, we pray for a good report to come back in Jesus' name. And God, we declare as a congregation in unity today, you have the final say. Mankind does not have the final say, God, you do. So work a miracle in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, can you uh, put your hands together and thank Pastor Damon? What a powerful word. Now, Damon... Uh, you weren't. You don't know the message I preached up in Fort Collins last week, do you? Uh, it could not be more aligned. So when I come this next week with the word, uh, I was sitting here going, "Oh, please don't go down that road," because next week I'm just going to be saying the same thing. So, uh, but 
uh, here's what happens though. You, when you have, and I told Damon, please take freedom. I don't want to tell you what to speak. I want the Holy Spirit to just speak through you. You're not here all the time. And so there's something special to having a guest come from the outside and hearing from the Spirit of God and speaking to a local church. And I would say the Holy Spirit is speaking something to his church right now that is vital. And next week, I'm going to talk about walking in the freedom. Christ has set us free. I know Pastor Warren spoke to some of those things a number of weeks ago. And I think God is trying to get his church to wake up to that there is freedom awaiting us in Christ Jesus. So as you go today and this week, please be thinking on that. That if there are things that you need breakthrough for in your life, come next week with that expectation together, not just for yourself, but other members of, of this church body, those that might be watching us online, that God would bring a breakthrough in our lives. Can you say amen? God bless you and have a great week.